In Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, and then from verse 15 towards the end of the chapter. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Then when Zimbalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, We all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried material did their work with one hand, and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the men who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whatever you, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us here. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon. 
even when he went for water. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of this word. The last few weeks we heard the Bible with the message of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to his church. Today I want to preach the Bible message from Nehemiah chapter 3 and 4 under this heading, Building Together as Gifted People. In our series up to now, two things stood out. The church of the Lord is a body made up of many members, each of it supporting the body according to the gift apportioned by the Holy Spirit. Further, we learned that each member of the body is important and each one works to the benefit of the other. We have, uh, we, we have to pursue those gifts which can best contribute to the well-being of others and the growth of the body to the glory of Jesus Christ. We have to do the best we can, pursue those things that will be for the benefit of everyone knowing that God wants all of us, each one of us, to be there, do our thing, support others for the upbuilding of the church, for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why would people build a wall around a city? Why do you think would people build a wall around a city? Let's hear Protection is because that's the one thing. It keeps the enemy out and it keeps those within protected. But there's another reason why one would build a wall around a city. And maybe we don't always look at it that way. Especially when you look at, I'll be with you, especially when we look at this chapter in the Bible... We understand that when we get there. Okay, let's hear. You keep the devil out. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know that you necessarily keep the devil out, but you get the idea. I think another reason why is, for, is more than just a protection. It is to make a distinction between those who are out and those who are in. Okay, there, there, there are those within the city and there are those who are not within the city. And when we read Revelation, the book of Revelation, you'll, you'll once again bring the holy city of the Lord, and, and there's a very clear distinction, chapter 11, and then further down to the end of the book, very clear distinction between those who are just around the city and those who are within. It's, it's, the, the line is drawn. When the wrath of God could no longer be delayed upon the covenant breaking of the Israelites, the Lord did what he had announced through the prophets over many, many years and in many different circumstances. He allowed Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to let the people away in slavery. And his soldiers then plundered the land and Jerusalem was almost wiped off the map. We read there in Second Chronicles chapter 36. Therefore God brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed the young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young men 
or virgin, old or aged. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and built all its, uh, burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its previous precious vessels. And that happened towards the end. And that's basically what you'll read the last about in the Hebrew Bible. If, if you've got the Hebrew Old Testament, that's what you will read there. It's almost as if it stopped and it ended with covenant breaking and the wrath of God. But after 70 years of captivity, according to the promise of the Lord through his prophets, God once again used a godless king to execute his plan of redemption of his people. And then if you look at the Bible as we have it today and the books as they are sort of brought into the Bible, it is almost as if Second Chronicles stopped there with that, that, that curse of God upon sin and covenant breaking. But then the next, Ezra, Nehemiah, and what follows, it, it, it actually picks up there again how God then used uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia. We read in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, so he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, amazing uh, uh, proclamation here where he says, the Lord of God in heaven has made me, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And then you read through that, all the things that the people actually took out of the, out of the uh, temple, and they were brought into the palace of Babylon, and, and, and how they had a bit of a uh, through the history, there's 70 years, they went from this hand to that hand and all these, and the Lord protected them, and the Lord stirred the hearts of the people once again, and these things were brought back. And it's amazing to read through Ezra and Nehemiah how they concerned they were with uh, names and numbers and the complete lists. Not because, in the first instance, they were people of numbers and names and lists. They were people of to proclaim the faithfulness of God. Nothing was left. Nothing was stolen. Nothing was forgotten. No one was forgotten. Ezra was the first to lead the group of people back to Jerusalem, and they began to rebuild the temple. Some ten years later, Nehemiah followed, and his concern was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Rebuilding the walls would mean protection, but it would also mean that distinction between those who worship God and those who did not. Remember that at the time, many other people from different uh, countries and different religions and different ideas, they came and in that vacuum almost when the people had been, uh, were taken into captivity, these people came and they occupied the land. And now when the people came back from Babylon, they found themselves a very small majority in a country that was corrupt. And uh, 
What happened there, even before they left through the Sumerians and with their introduction of, of idol worship, just abounded in that time. So now they had to once again put the mark down and say, well, this is the city of God, and what's in the city belongs to God. It is God's country, yes, but it is God's city, and the walls need to be rebuilt, and we need protection, but more than that, what's happening inside in the worship is the worship of the Holy God. So it was, it was almost as if you would know that if you, if you put your hand up and say, well, I'll, I'll go and build that wall, you know that you're on God's side, and everyone would know that. It would be difficult to think otherwise. For Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the walls meant something else. It was also a sign of public restoration of God's promise to his people. We read there in chapter 2, verse 17, I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer the region. It was a sign of God's covenant faithfulness for them that God had not forgetten, forgotten his, his people. And then they started to rebuild. And we, and we, are, we hear from the Bible how they rebuilt. They didn't have much building material. They just went and they took all the burnt rocks and stones and things that they had and they just put it together again. But they were people with names. There were Eliashib and Zachar and Merimoth and Meshalayim and Zadok and Joida and Malathiah and Jaden and Aziel and Rephiah and Malchiah and listen to this one, pay hath Moab. I'm glad I didn't get that one. Uh, to use these names for us, looking back on so many years of history, for us it's boring and we want to skip them and read about what really happened there. But it doesn't work like that in the Bible and it doesn't work like that in the church of God. The church is about God and how he deals with people. Just imagine you were there building every day and doing the things you were able to do. And the person who wrote down the events forgot to add your name to the record. History is always boring if it only concentrated around names. But names and how they made history is important. Nothing much happens here today. And yet we've got people. And people have names. You are here. And you would not want anyone to just forget you. Or to pretend that you're not here. The wonderful thing is that our names are written in the book of life. They are engraved in the hands of our Lord. 
He knows our names. We are each one by the grace of Jesus Christ and through his work of restoration, part of the bigger family. And our names is part of those which will be heard on the day that the roles are called up yonder. And therefore we better make sure that our name is there. And when your name is called, you better be sure that you do not stand like the man who buried the talents given to him, empty-handed before his master who now calls him to account. We will even be given a new name, a new name, a name known by God. We always want our names somewhere. One of the things they say that really makes a newspaper sell is published names in it. Because even the people, not other people, but the, people's, the people whose name isn't there will go and buy the paper. And what we do is we, we take the scissors and snip it out and put it somewhere. Because our name is published somewhere. What about your name listed among the workers in the kingdom of God? Don't you think that would be important? They were ordinary people and they had an extraordinary effort. The people arrived back in the land with nothing other than the land which the Lord had provided for them and all the gifts the people had given. They arrived destitute of riches of their own what they have, what they had there were just the gifts of other people. And yet, their heart was in the work. While they were eager to see that their own homes and affairs received due attention, they also gave time, money, and most of it effort to contribute to the upbuilding of the walls. What stands out in chapter 3 of Nehemiah is this expression, next to, next to, next to, next to. And you know what connected the next to? Names of people. It was a chain of people who did small things to achieve Wonderful, big things. Together they built. Together they faced opposition. Together they were scared for the enemy. Together they prayed. And together they completed the work. This is how the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should operate. Together. We should say next to me. On this side, next to me on the other side, there was someone else. Someone else who got his hands dirty. 
Someone else who picked up a rock and looked, didn't look like much. Maybe still scorched of the previous fire that went through it. But now in the hands of God, it is a beautiful object that would bring glory to his name. And I would pick it up. I mean, let's, let's face it. I'd be there that day and days to follow. And I'll pick it up and I'll just look at the fellow next to me and say, where does this go? I don't know. And he'd say, give it to me, I know. But together, they did it. This is what happened in in Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. And we read there in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 47. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Together, all of them worked together. But we read in uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, 5 and That is probably all part and parcel of the work of the church. There were nobles who would not stoop to serve their Lord. It is almost like there's there's just a note that just doesn't go in this harmony. Dissonant. But it happens. Verse 5 their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. May it not be said of this church. The Lord took notice of them. How do I know that? How do I know that the Lord took notice of them? It is written of them in the Bible. Should it not be written of you or me that we didn't build? Repairing and restoring, they went ahead and they had one purpose. That's the restoration of the wall, which would mean security, but above all it would proclaim to the world that God is with his people in their task of building his city. And that should be our goal, restoring the walls and rebuilding the church to the glory of Christ. And we have much to rebuild. Look at our families and our family life. Look at our marriages and marriage life. Look at our morals and our ideals and our service and our failures on the mission field these days. I'm just reading a book once again of uh, John Payton. And uh, other missionaries who went out into the mission field. And you think of that. He worked for 10 years before he went out into the mission field. Out of his own pocket, he paid for his own studies. And he got then 20 pounds a year. And he writes, before he left for the mission field, I thank God, he says, that I could contribute to help my parents 
financially. And when eventually John Payton contacted his parents and he said, I'd be going to the mission field, how do you feel about it? They said, we rejoice. We rejoice. We've given you away when you were a little child. God has answered our prayers. They had no idea that they would see him again. He would know, I had no idea that he would see them again. There was a real prospect, as it was written in those days, that he would be eaten by the cannibals. But he did. And his effort was blessed not only by himself, but by others who gave liberally, and missionaries were, were sent across this world. You think of China, you think of India, you think of all the places where the missionaries went, and there was always money. Nowadays, if we talk about mission, nowadays if we talk about a missionary activity, the pockets of the church just get zipped close and we just don't want to do that. Oh, we have to rebuild that part of the wall of our city. Think of the failures that we have in spreading the word in printed form. Can I ask, and this is a very personal question, I ask myself this, it's a, it's a personal question. When was the last time you put money towards the translation, the printing, and the spreading of the Bible? It doesn't happen all by itself, you know. It just happens through gifts that we give. All these things need rebuilding and restoring. And we need... People who use their talents and their gifts, it's no good in burying those in a safe place. No, we should work with it, multiply it, and bring it to the Lord in tenfold and hundredfold when he calls us to account. We know that paragraph from the Bible. People came from all walks of life. There was, no one was excluded. It began with the high priest and his fellow priests. You'd like to think that, you know, someone said to me out on patrol one day, so you're a minister? And I said, yes. He said, so you're good for nothing. I mean, really, I mean, for a farmer, what is a minister of use in his property? And, yeah, yeah, well, I can't do much with my hands. But there it was, the, the high priest with his fellow priests and the Levites, they were there. They set the example. They, started to begin, they began to do it first. And then we read about other people, verse 8. I didn't know if you picked that up. They were perfume makers. What exactly they were, no one knows, but they were probably perfume makers, as the Bible says. What did you what do they do, these perfume makers? You found them there on the work site of rebuilding the temple of the law, the, the walls of the of the city. There were rulers, there were noblemen, they were just plain common residents and countrymen. And I got the impression that the countrymen they referred to is opposed to those who lived in the city. You'd say the farmers. And those of the land. They were the temple servants and even goldsmiths and merchants, the Bible said. 
These people, for some time in their life, just put it aside and they were concentrated on working and building the temple. All stood there next to one another, some more skilled than others, some coming from afar, some just from Jerusalem. And we read in the Bible there, I've pointed it out to you this morning, some just built that section in front of their own house. And then there were the people from Jericho, we read that they built some portion, and when they had done that, they walked across to the other side of the city and they, they finished another part. Some did much. Some didn't do as much as the others. Some came from far off. Some were just there. But they worked together. How great would it be if we discovered this joy of de- doing it all together and then there was the opposition. The opposition of those who, first of all, and you can see the progression, and it's a very good thing to see how they progressed. First of all, just scorn and ridicule. Oh, you think the temple, will, the, this wall will stand and a fox can jump up against it and it will fall over. Who do you think you are? And then they escalated it a bit further and there was this correspondence back to the, uh, to the king and said, well, who are these people? You know, sort of diplomatic things, and it's more a political thing in the end to say, well, Christians, you can't do what you're doing. It's against the law. We'll, we'll pull out the law somewhere and say, well, first of all, ridicule. Ridicule. That, that's a hard thing. But then the next level is that of uh, political and diplomatical sort of maneuvers and say, well, the law is against this. You want to build a school? Who says you can build a school? We've got rules and regulations. And what Christians do is they, they follow the rules and the regulations, but they also pray and they build their school. Uh, and now we've got something else. No, you can't have just any teacher in your school. We've got a law to say, even if he's a homosexual, he, can, he should be teaching there. You see? It, it, it's a constant thing. But the people did not give up. And then there was this open and outright war. And in the end, the people had to build with one eye on the work, with the trowel in one hand and the sword in the other. And they, they didn't get home. They start work in the morning, they knocked off in the evening, and they slept in the city at night. Even if they had to go get some water, they had to go with a weapon in their hand. And then there was from within also the, 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 the enemy. It's sad to hear that even after they got back from, from, uh, uh, from captivity, one of the first things that happened is that the son of the high priest married a daughter of the ruler of the land. The enemy within. And then there were those others who discouraged from in, from within. Verse uh, t- uh, 10 and, uh, of chapter 4. The strength of the, the Judah, of, in Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble by ourselves. We will not be able to rebuild the wall. You know, there you are, you're working hard, you try your best, and then someone comes and he puts his hand on your shoulder and he said, you know, this is a hopeless job. 
Why have we ever begun with it? It's just too big for us. Let's give it up. And then in verse 12, at that time the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times. It is as if the Bible says they wouldn't stop saying us. What do they say? You must return to us. In other words, stop working. It's not going to work out. You're not going to finish this. But those who put their hands to the plow, they were committed. And Nehemiah, their leader, said, I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and who fight for you, brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Gives us an idea of who was there at the worksite. Brothers and sons and daughters and wives and your homes. Remember the goal. Remember your family. Remember your fellow believers. Remember the love of God in Jesus Christ. In him we are more than conquerors. And they worked and prayed together. Verse 17, those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Do we know anything of this sort of resistance? Maybe not. On the one hand, we should thank God that it's not the case. On the other hand, it might be a sign that we're not really building. Because if we're really building the temple of God and we're really building the church of God the way the Lord Jesus Christ would want us to do so through the work and the, the power of his Holy Spirit will stir this world. And then you'll know who your friend and who your enemy is. There was encouragement from those, the leaders, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally over to us, our God will fight for us. And they worked day and night, so we labored at work. Half of them held out the spears for the break of dawn until the stars came out. What about workplace safety and workplace regulations? Work Work eight hours a day, knock off. You're in the service of God. There is no such a thing. You're a danger all the time. But you've got someone next to you. And God in heaven. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me. None of us took off our clothes. Each keep his weapon, kept his weapon at his right hand. What was the conclusion? few chapters further down we read these words in chapter 6 so the war was finished on the 25th day of the month Elo in 52 days and when all our enemies heard of it all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help 
of our God. That's a massive wall. They did it in just more than 50 days. How? Well, the secret is, it's for the glory of God. He protects, second thing is, next to you. Third thing is, everyone put a hand in. The fourth thing is, it doesn't matter who you are, you're there. Fifth thing is, you do it praying and working, committing yourself. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, next week, Lord willing, I will try to put before you a plan and a vision that I think would be possible for this church. A plan, I'm not, you know, we've got all plans of moving forward uh, this day, uh, these days. But uh, I'm, I'm not moving forward in all this. I'm just saying, let's look at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and how you, and it's no good that we pray and preach about, you know, what you can do and we don't give you a job. We want to put something before you that will really give you a job. Okay? And see that everyone is included into this rebuilding of the wall of the church and the city of our Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the lesson this morning. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you that through the experience and the example of your people then we may learn. And we pray that you will use us, each one of us, even in the small corner where we live with what we have. Help us, Lord, to commit ourselves fully in an everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.